Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are in the world today. I greet you in the name of Jesus Christ and welcome you to Wow, What a Show. As I have said so many times, the heavens declare the glory of God. All the performance of God is always in progress. And so when we look out and observe the world and consider our own lives, we know that there is a God who is active. He's loving us. He's teaching us. He's bringing us into the fullness of the stature of Jesus Christ. And for those who yet do not know him, he is constantly speaking in his own creation and beckoning us to pay attention, to look upon, to see, to understand that he is there. I am so excited this morning that we are in chapter 15 of our series, Apples of Gold, reading through Proverbs. We are on our way and we're just about halfway there. Isn't that wonderful? <laughs> Only God could get us because let me tell you, the commitment of twice a day reading so that we can reach as many people as we possibly can uh, throughout the whole world. We're not just like, you know, I don't know where God is sending his word. I have no idea. I'm just thankful that he's doing it. And I am blessed that he is allowing me to be a part of it. So wherever he sends it, I know it will be effective. And through such a vessel as I, I am not a scholar. I really am not. And the people who've come along to help me do this project, uh, they're, they are scholars in their own right in areas that the Lord has gifted them. But we are the believers and we are in God's word, endeavoring to follow his way. And by his own spirit, he gives us treasures. And he uh, uh, unlocks some of his word to us eventually, you know, in bits and bit by bit, uh, line upon line, precept upon precept. Easy we go because we cannot take it all in at once. We can't ingest it. We can't live it all at once. Isn't it a wonderful thing that God in his, in his wisdom, <laughs> that's what he calls it, his wisdom, ooh, knows all about us and sent Jesus Christ to do what we could not do. And in so doing, we have eternal fellowship with him. Okay, so we're gonna get right into it. This is chapter 15. And according uh, to my uh, Bible, the subscript for chapter 15 or the title or the, you know, the explanation is the wise and the foolish contrasted. So in this, we are going to, good morning, teeny, teeny. It's so good that you're here. Um, we're going to contrast throughout this chapter, the foolish with the wise or the wise and the foolish. Now, this is what we've been doing all along in Proverbs. It's all about wisdom, right? This whole book is giving us wisdom. And in giving us wisdom, it gives us the picture of that which is not wise. So uh, that is the whole uh, layout of the chapter. So listen, also today I'm going to borrow from uh, Matthew Henry's commentary on Proverbs because the repetition of these gold pieces, these little sayings, right, uh, causes us to seek new vocabulary so that we can expand our understanding. And the fact that God keeps repeating certain parts of this is very important. We really do need to pay attention. It is the foundation of our spiritual life, and it is the enactment of our understanding. That's what wisdom is. And so we're going to get a little help, but I'm going to read right now, chapter 15. A soft answer turns away wrath, but grievous words stir up anger. The tongue of the wise uses knowledge aright, but the mouth of fools pours out foolishness. The eyes of the Lord are in every place, beholding the evil and the good. A wholesome tongue is a tree of life, but perverseness therein is a breach in the spirit. Mm. We really do have to go in and, and try to figure that one out. A fool despises his father's instruction, but he that regards reproof is prudent. 
In the house of the righteous is much treasure, but in the revenues of the wicked is trouble. The lips of the wise disperse knowledge, but the heart of the foolish doeth not so. The time, the sacrifice of the wicked is an abomination to the Lord, but the prayer of the upright is his delight. The way of the wicked is an abomination unto the Lord, but he loves him that follows after righteousness. Correction is grievous unto him that forsakes the way, and he that hates reproof shall die. Hell and destruction are before the Lord. How much more then the hearts of the children of men? A scorner does not love one that reproves him, neither will he go unto the wise. A merry heart maketh a cheerful countenance, but by sorrow of the heart the spirit is broken. The heart of him that hath understanding seeks knowledge, but the mouth of fools feeds on foolishness. All the days of the afflicted are evil, but he that is of a merry heart has a continual feast. Better is little with the fear of the Lord than great treasure and trouble therewith. Better is a dinner of herbs where love is than a stalled ox and hatred therewith. A wrathful man stirs up strife, but he that is slow to anger appeases strife. The way of the slothful man is as a hedge of thorns, but the way of the righteous is made plain. A wise man makes a glad father, but a foolish man despises his mother. Folly is joy to him that is destitute of wisdom, but a man of understanding walks uprightly. Without counsel, purposes are disappointed, but in the multitude of counselors, there they are established. A man has joy by the answer of his mouth and a word spoken in due season. How good is it? The way of life is above to the wise that he may depart from hell beneath. The Lord will destroy the house of the proud, but he will establish the border of the window. The thoughts of the wicked are an abomination to the Lord, but the words of the pure are pleasant words. He that is greedy of gain troubles his own house, but he that hates gifts shall live. The heart of the righteous studies to answer, but the mouth of the wicked pours out evil things. The Lord is far from the wicked, but he hears the prayers of the righteous. The light of the eyes rejoices the heart, and a good report makes the bones fat. The ear that hears the reproof of life abides among the wise. He that refuses instruction despises his own soul. But he that hears reproof gets understanding, and the fear of the Lord is the instruction of wisdom, and before honor is humility. Wow, what a good reading. Oh, bless the Lord. Good morning to all of you who are here. Welcome, Sister Reams and Brother, I mean, Pastor John Thomas or Brother Thomas, if you guys go that way. God is amazing, right? And every time we come on this show, we say, wow, what a show, right? I mean that from the bottom of my heart because he is a performing God. And when we look out, when we see, when we behold, we know that God is alive and well. He is active in his creation. He knows everything as we have heard in the Proverbs. And I pray this morning that the Lord will lead my mouth <laughs> as we read many things about the tongue and the mouth and the lips, right? Which imply that there are words or attitudes, issues of the heart that are being spoken forth. And all I do is ask the Lord that he will make mine pure so that you who hear me will not be uh, destitute of understanding because of things that I've said, but rather that the Spirit of God will use these words that I shall speak to impart to you his wisdom in such a way as to cause us all to grow, even 
me. I praise the Lord for that. And thank you, Father, in advance. And we start off, you know, it's amazing. Like um, there was a, we had a reader, I forget who, who started from the middle, right? And it was just a wonderful thing because that day, everything just kind of, you know, uh, crashed in on, on the initial uh, opening. I am going to start from the beginning and the end, right? I'm going to start at the end. The fear of the Lord is the instruction of wisdom. We've already heard that in first chapter. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of understanding. All that God has to say to us comes because we have a righteous respect for who he is. We believe that he is, and therefore, whatever he instructs us. However he treats us, we know that his love is in operation. And as we respond to God in obedience and in honor, you know, and in submission, he brings to us righteousness. And our response to him is the fear of the Lord. Just remember that. Even sometimes I think it is also the awesome, you know, dread of his presence because he is all that and so much more. God has the power to speak and things are created and things that are created obey. <laughs> so in his presence, though there is fullness of joy, in his presence also, I believe, is a quaking, a quaking of understanding that only God has the wherewithal to bring or to reject, to accept or to reject, to bring or to cast away. That is God, and that's our fear of him. So the fear of the Lord is the instruction of wisdom. When we speak, we hear, and if we submit, we will indeed gain wisdom. And before honor is humility. This is important. It is so much easier to be proud in the world, to not take a, a, a lower position. Now, by that, I don't mean, you know, you're bowing down and, you know, kowtowing to anyone else. No, not at all. It is the understanding that God has given you a particular strength, a gift, whatever. But rather than stand in the in the seat of scorners or proud people or project yourself forward as what you may not really be, you take the lower seat. It's, see, as as a leader, as a leader, I learned in library school to always uh, be in cooperation with the people you're working with. But I watched my mother, who was definitely a leader by just mother just was one of those people. She could just take the bull by the horns and carry him on, you see. But she too was um, a lowly person. She didn't stand for it. She could sing like you cannot believe, but she never stepped forward to say, I can sing. Never heard my mother say that or do that. She sang all the time and she was one of the finest singers I have ever heard. Very, very classical. And yet she could, she was that voice that could sing anything from blues to what? The classics. She could just sing, right? And it wasn't a driving, hard, you know, voice, but it was a good voice. And many people recognize that. But I've never seen her boast in that at all. So the, the, the place of humility is understanding your own strength and knowing that you don't have to use it all the time. <laughs> you don't have to like, you know, go out and bulldoze and, and make people pay attention to you. It is waiting. And as a leader, we are also very much servants. The Lord said so when the guys wanted to know who's going to be at your right side. And he said, you, you know, in the, you, you're not going to act like the world. We don't do that. Let he who is the leader be the servant of all. That's the heart of the humble. And then we go back to uh, verse one. A soft answer turns away wrath, but grievous words stir up anger. Now, contrasting, you see, uh, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and instruction and big for honor is humility. And here it is. In a situation where uh, one might want to like, oh, don't curse somebody out or just give them what for or, you know, be, be, the, be the strong man in your words and your response. This the advisement of wisdom is no, 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 not ever, because soft words, soft answers turn away the anger 
of others, in a hard situation, in times of you know great tension and conflict. Uh, it is the softness of our answer. It is the tenderness of our response that quiets the chaos and it quiets the anger. And this is such a wonderful lesson to learn. Seriously, as a leader, you know, so-called leader, right? I'm, I'm dry this morning, so I'm taking little sips of water, if you don't mind. Hmm. As, as one who was responsible for bringing uh, people into the fullness of a project, right? It never occurred to me that I was there to give commands. It never occurred to me. <laughs> well, maybe it did from time to time. I don't know. I would never bellow out, you better do this, you do that. It wasn't that. It is, a, you know, we come together, we said, you know, together. Some things I had to take the lead on and say, yes, we have to do this because this is what is written and this is our work, right? Uh, but mostly we would confer come to a consensus on how a thing would happen. And then everybody took their part and we went out and I had a part. And I reminded the staff that I work with, the team that I work with all the time. Every one of us came to work this morning. I came to work. I didn't come to sit on a throne. I came to work. And so if the space needs to be cleaned, I, I helped to clean it. If uh, the children needed to be tutored, I helped to tutor them. If I had to set up tables out in the hot sun and be there and the other staff members couldn't, I, I would do that. I was willing. That's the heart that I have. You know, it's how I was raised and I would do it. But let me tell you how that keeps the peace amongst people who are all very different and they're coming from very different thought processes and they may be totally um, uh, contrary in, in or not wanting to do what you want to do or anybody else wants to do. But the softness of our approach brings people into compliance. <clears throat> Excuse me. And it is, um, is soothing and healing. So Rather than now, my you know, I have a sister here, and then she can tell you that as a child coming up, I was very reactive, and I had a great um, I didn't have such a, a as a, t a temper, I would respond uh, in hurt at those things which shocked me. You know, sometimes somebody came to me and they said, You do this, ooh, I, I would go off, and I and I was that way for a minute, you know. But the Lord got He just got into me really good, um, and I learned to to mellow out. My husband used to say, you speak in commands, where I said, I, I was raised speaking in commands. That's how we talk. Will you just do this, do that, go here, go there. You know, that's how we, we talk. My whole family talks like that. Uh, well, not not the sister who's on the line this morning. And that's amazing because, you know, uh, Peg, I'm so glad you're here. As I was thinking through some of these scriptures, I could see her face. When there was contention, or strife, this sister would soften her face, would quiet her. She never was a hard responder. She never did come back at you, you know, like that. She, But she would soften her face. It was her face I could see. And she would um, uh, slow her, her language. She wouldn't talk much. She would retreat from, she wouldn't leave the space. She would simply retreat from the strength of that argument. I'm from a family that, you know, argued with, we argued with each other. Uh, we didn't do a whole, I don't know about all the other out there in the people, but nobody was getting by with anything in my family. So we had this conflict always that was there. And it was a conflict of love because we got over course, but this one sister would never do that. Right. And I began to think about her in that regard. And God is 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 showing me her face as we're going through the Proverbs and the wisdom of her um, response. And it always was an impact on me. When she would do that, I would feel ashamed. I didn't want to be the other person that I was being. God is right in his way. He knows exactly what he's talking about. And therefore, I don't believe she was ever in constant argument with any sibling. She is just that person. So that is the, the that's the point, the, the softness. The tongue of the wise uses knowledge aright, but the mouth of fools pours out foolishness. And this is really, really good. Excuse me. 
I don't know if you know people who are, you know, I used to say, I mean, people used to tell me all the time, oh, you're so passionate. I'm thinking, good gracious, what are they talking about? I don't even know what they're talking about, right? Passionate, passionate, aggressive, you know, tenacious in whatever it is you are doing or thinking or however you approach the life that you're living with a constancy, which is good, is not bad. But if in the in that your knowledge is being used to browbeat or to, you know, uh, 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 hurt or, you know, direct, it, it, it isn't good. It, it, it needs to take a, take a, <laughs> it needs to take a seat for a minute so you can disperse it aright. And with, with politics, that's what you get a lot of times. You get people who are so bound and so completely determined in a particular direction in politics that they will beat you down. You have nothing to say, nothing to offer. There is no truth beyond their truth. This is, I believe, when the tongue of the wise uses knowledge aright. You know how to speak it. You you can hear someone else's point of view and you can assess it first and then respond with perhaps a question that causes them to then reflect. That's what Jesus Christ did. A lot of the times, his response was with a question. So if I ask you this question, does your point of view hold, right? If you can answer the question. And this is one of the things that I used to ask of those, you know, who were uh, preaching the name and claiming gospel. And I would say, okay, you travel the world and you're taught this uh, doctrine. And tell me, what has changed in the lives of the poor that you have preached to? In fact, we don't have to travel the world. Tell me what has changed in my life. I've listened to you. I've tried to process what you're saying. I've tried to do what you're telling me to do. It just doesn't fit, right? And I'm not saying that they are wrong. I'm saying answer the question. And then if there is in your answer something that I have missed in the hearing, I can be corrected. That's all. The eyes of the Lord are in every place beholding the evil of the good and, and the evil and the good. And so the eyes of the Lord run to and forth in the world. You know, they, they, God sees. There's a great song, God sees. Jehovah, I think the the Hebrew name for Jehovah sees um, is Jehovah Rohi, the God who sees. He knows. See, we cannot hide from him. We can't hide from him. I think, is it in the revelations when 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 the uh, judgment is upon the earth, you know, and the rocks are falling and all that, and, and, the, and the wicked are going to go to the rocks and say, uh, fall on me, hide me, right? You can't hide from God. There's no way. We, we don't hide. <clears throat> so a wholesome tongue, again, is a tree of life, but perverseness therein is a breach in the spirit. Now, what is a breach? Uh, I should have looked it up because I don't have a good good explanation. Anybody, somebody give me a definition. I would love to hear it. A breach. It's a break. It's a, um, a, a miss. What is it? A miss. Ooh, a, a misfire, so to speak. I a, a breach is when you cut something off that was in covenant, so to speak. And if I'm wrong, please help me out there. <clears throat> so if I make a promise to you and I breach the promise, I break it. You know, I, I go back on when I do it. So in our own spirits, like the spirit is never um, to be in in breach from the Lord. We're always to be in, in covenant, in contact, in connection, and living out what God is saying. That to me, now I should check Mr. Henry on that one, but that to, to me is um, kind of what is meant here in this one. Uh, and the tree of life is, is uh, um, grows when we have a right use of the words that we speak, the tongue, which is the telling forth. You we use that. You remember it it's uh the tongue is set on hells of fire, right? No, we don't want to we don't want to live like that. You don't want to use vowel words. And there are people who just it seems like to me they, they were born using vowel words. I, I don't understand it. That it's like they can't stop. Every word is a curse word. Every sentence is filled with all this stuff. And I'm saying to myself, good Lord you know, it even hurts me to listen to it. So <laughs> it seems to me that they will be in pain speaking it. 
I don't know. I'm just saying that's how it comes across to me. Uh, and I am checking to see if there's a further explanation here that I can share. Um, like I said, I have uh, the commentary open this morning with Mr. Matthew Henry. Um, and I just, I thought I needed it today because we are searching for a vocabulary that will extend our understanding and take us deeper in the repetition of many of these wise sayings. <clears throat> Excuse me. And I, I thought it was just necessary because I, I can begin to use words over and over again. So a good tongue is healing, healing to the wounded, the wounded conscious. And, and a, a, a good tongue is comforting to the sin-sick souls, it convinces them to peace and love when it is broken by accommodating differences. See, this is good. Compromising matters in variance and in life. <clears throat> we reconcile one another's one another when we are able to have a good tongue. And we've said that before. The, um, uh, a tree of life, the leaves of which have a sanative, Virtue. I don't even know what that means. Good gracious. But he that knows how to discourse, that means discuss, talk, to share, will make the place he lives in a paradise. Remember yesterday when I told you I learned early in my marriage, if I were in good spirits, the whole house was happy. And I, I used to pay attention. I said, oh my goodness, if I was irritable, and I used to be very irritable if I was tired, God really delivered Phyllis in that. If I didn't get enough sleep and I'm a, I'm a straight nine-hour sleeper, I have to sleep. <laughs> well, then I did. I would notice that my children would be off kilter. My husband would be quiet. You know, he's a very quiet kind of guy anyway. And, um, and if I said something to him in that irritability, he would be like, you know, uh, strong. He's, he's quiet, but he's very, very strong. And... Um, and then I would notice that when I was in a good place, everybody was happy. And I began to pray, Lord, heal me of this irritability. Isn't that amazing? Only the Spirit of God could have shown me that. And only by His Spirit could I have been delivered. Glory to God. I can now, you know, I do get sleep. The Lord showed me that. I have to sleep um, in the hours that I must sleep. But when I have, have to lose sleep, you know, I get up, I'm a little tired. I'm no longer irritable. I, I don't act like that anymore. And I can pick up on the needs of those around me. So that is a good tongue. Now, a fool despises his father's instruction, but he that regardeth reproof is prudent. We already talked about this one, you know, careful, uh, making good choices, be making sure to think through a matter. But that that fool, that child, that child that just cannot follow the father's instruction, that child is a pain to the very the father that bore him and took him up. And sometimes these kiddos, you know, our young folks have gotten the idea that they are more important than they really are. I've worked with a lot of folks, <laughs> little, little young people, you know, in those teenage years. I decided I was not calling anybody a teenager ever again because they're as tall as me. They have as much mouth as I do. They are as tenacious in their life. They're more so than I am and they know absolutely everything. I don't care how soft you speak to me. Of course, now God gave me an example. There is an example that is the exception. But in general, teenagers in this culture think that they are ready to live, but we have not raised them that way. And so they really are not ready. They're still making very, very self-centered choices. They're still living temporarily in the moment. And therefore, they need guidance. What shall be done here, right? How shall we adjust? Because it's on us to do it. Oh, Nabot Henry, good morning. Thank you for joining us. I'm sorry I cannot write it this morning because I am talking and I, I can't uh, juggle like that anymore. <laughs> but you are very welcome. So glad that everyone who's in the studio has joined. Please uh, send comments by way of the chat, if you don't mind. Um, these, so we're in verse seven. 
in the house of the righteous is more treasure, but in the revenues of the wicked, there is trouble. I love this one because where righteousness is, there is also uh, riches, the comforts of the, the riches. In the house of the righteous, there's treasure. Uh, our faith teaches uh, teaches us to be diligent, to, to be temperate, and to be right, just. And by these means, ordinarily, the estate is increased. But that's not all. God blesses the habitation of the just, and the blessing makes us rich without any trouble. If 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 there um, uh, be not much of the world's goods, if we don't possess a lot of the world's goods, then there is grace. There is a quiet. There is peace. There is comfort. There is contentment and joy. Oh, these are real riches. You don't have to, uh, you're not involving yourself in the chaos of the world. You're not chasing uh, the wind because that's what kind of happens to most of us if we're chasing treasures. If if we have sufficient in the house, we have also enough to share. We are in good uh, a rapport with our children and with those we live uh, in the same house with, we share that house with. And um, our bellies, <laughs> we have enough to eat. God's harvest comes to us and we are not satisfying sensual appetites. We are, you know, we're not sensual in our, in our chase for those things which are treasures, but rather spiritual. And those of you who know Christ know for sure that spiritually being placed in, in the care of our Father is so much better than chasing after what the world, first of all, you, you really got to chase it hard to get it. And if you get it, you got to still work at keeping it, right? Um, you know, you just have to go through this, this, ooh, I don't know how to, how to um, you know, I've chased a little bit, not for the chase of the thing, but for the chase of the work. And therefore I know it is very tiring it can be very troubling and it can remove your focus from the things that are very much uh, important. And then when you achieve, if you achieve and you get all this stuff, I never did. But if you do, uh, then there is a pride of life that comes with it. And these, you know, this pride of life thing is something that you really have to reckon with because God is not pleased. So verse seven um, is kind of, some of these are really tied together. Again, the lips of the wise disperse knowledge. They don't use knowledge in a wrong way to beat people down or to, you know, lord over them or to show forth their own prideful heart. But the heart of the fool, foolish doesn't do this, the, to disperse knowledge. There are people who tell me, you, you'll tell me everything you know. My, my daughter tells me that all the time. And I'm saying, well, what good is it for me to hold it if God has given it to me, right? Any knowledge at all. And I'm not a person of great knowledge. But if whatever I know, whatever I can share, it is in me to share it. And sometimes I really do say, well, Lord, I just gave it away, didn't I? You know what I mean? And I feel a little sorry that I did, but it is my nature. I'm asking the Lord to uh, to bring me balance. But until he balances me, I'm just going to, you know, I'm, I, I have to be who I am. And so I do share. And that is, the again, the speaking of the lips, the sacrifice of the wicked is an abomination to the Lord, but the prayer of the upright is his delight. In this regard, it seems like the prayer is a sacrifice where praise definitely we know is. But think about that. <clears throat> Even the sacrifice of the wicked, God does not want. And he says that in, in his word. What is it? Um, I'm thinking of um, Saul, uh, King Saul, who was supposed to wait for Samuel to offer the daily sacrifice. So it went up, they were supposed to meet at a certain time. Samuel wasn't there on the dot, right? And Saul turned around and made that sacrifice. And Samuel had to tell him, you have been rejected of the Lord. You just out of your, you just all out of order and out of position. Listen, darling, listen, listen, listen. Order is, a, is something that is amazingly wonderful. When you live in the order of God, of righteousness, Life is so much sweeter. 
People are all out of order in church. People are all out of order at the work. People are all out of order in your home, out of order in your community. It has a negative effect on everything, including the person who is out of order. We pray that God, who has established order, he's given order, we understand it. And whether you are in total agreement with the person who's in a particular position or not, the order is still set by God. One way that the world has begun to try and live in that order is by saying, you don't have to like the president, but you have to respect the office. Absolutely. And while that old horrible president is in the, or king, or, you know, governor, or teacher, or mother, or father, whatever, whoever, while they are there, respect the office, which means that your understanding of God's um, uh, placement there is this. You have a purpose and a plan, Lord, now, what I'm going to do, I'm not going to consent with the, with the evil that comes there. That's not what we're saying at all. Well, what we're saying is we will take an, a, an appropriate um, method, approach to getting rid of that evil that is coming from that office, not getting rid of the office in, in totality, right? And incorporation in societies like ours where democracy, you know, is the rule, uh, we, we, cooperate with the order that is set before us. And then in order, we change. You know, folks don't understand why the Democrats are so slow at this and slow at that. It's because they're trying to maintain the order. They're looking, you know, at the law. They're following the rules. And we want them to be more aggressive because the other party might not be doing such a thing. They may be spinning stuff and being stealthy in their way, but order is established by God. And so is government. So we have to uh, assume order. And same when children go to school and they're cursing out their teachers, honey, let me tell you, it happens. I've been there. I know it does. And they talk back to the teachers and you're trying to teach them. You're trying to disperse knowledge, as it said here. And the little kiddos don't want it. And so they get to be really out there. But what do you do? The child is a student. And I would no more take a, a, a student who was talking back to me. I would no more curse him back than the man in the moon. But teachers have done that. I've heard the teachers. I literally, with my own ear, I heard teachers curse back the students. And I have heard in the classroom uh, uh, that when, when teachers won't correct the students, both to me are an abomination to the Lord. I just don't see how we can live like this and expect to live in a society that is, um, uh, you know, governed by our righteousness. No. Okay. So we keep going. Uh, the sacrifice of the wicked. Okay. The way of the wicked is an abomination to the Lord, but he he loves them that follow after righteousness. And that's pretty much what we've explained already. Correction is grievous unto him that forsakes the way. And he that hates reproof shall die. Oh my goodness. Well, we're all going to die. So what is the Lord saying here? He that hates reproof shall die. Now I'm going to tell you, it doesn't sound like right. Um, a person that just cannot be a corrected will die, 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 right on the dime, dime, dime. It doesn't seem that way. But there are many, many, many examples in our local communities right now where reproof has been rejected and the, the person literally is dead. You're warned. The warning comes. Don't find a, find a different way to go home. Just don't even go that way, right? Because it's it's blatantly seen that these things are happening there. So don't don't go in that direction. Don't be there. Do not um, fraternize with the fools. Don't fraternize with those who reject reproof, and the child will do it anyway. And in the in the age of gang warfare, street gang warfare. In the uh, age of drugs being distributed and people doing whatever they can to make the most money off of it, I've heard it. I've seen it. And when I, I try to impart to others, you know, my experience there and what I have seen uh, up close and personal, sometimes I don't want to hear it. That's that's where you were. That's not all of life. But I say you know, I, I, I've looked at it for so long that I have a discernment about it. 
And I'm telling you that there are certain uh, upscale, not, not even, it doesn't have to be a poor neighborhood at all. I lived in a neighborhood where there were mansions. I lived in a townhouse, but there were mansions. And my children were in communion with these people from these mansions. And I'm telling you, within all of that, the Proverbs has spoken to it. There is also chaos, pain, suffering, the folly of fools, lack of wisdom, etc., etc. And the reproof that you will offer will be rejected many times. And those who reject it are dead, literally dead. But say it isn't literal death. Say then it is the death of the pursuit that everyone is searching after. Peace, joy, and harmony, good relationships, right? That death comes because when when you you when you are not sound of mind, and in my my view, sound of mind is the rejection of good counsel as well. Your your soundness leaves you. Every decision now is so uh, Satan driven, so self absorbing, so intense within the person themselves that it is it's not possible for them to interact and to find those things. They are living more than just dead in trespasses and sins, which they are, but they are living the death that is in trespasses and sin. May God have mercy. May we be more um, uh, mindful of, of our youth and more mindful of those people who are are rejecting sound wisdom and doctrine. Okay, so hell and destruction are before the Lord. How much more are the hearts of the children of men? Let me tell you, I'm, this Proverbs to me, I, I, I didn't read Mr. Henry on this one, but if, if God, <laughs> oh my goodness, if hell and destruction are before God himself, he can see it. How much more is it before us? Now we don't see it, but it is there. And in the example that I just gave, you can see that if a man does not turn his life around, he's living more and more in destruction. And I have heard people say, life is hell. See, but they think that they're in hell already. You see, I don't think I'm in hell already as bad as it gets. <laughs> I don't think I'm in hell just yet. <laughs> I believe that hell and destruction have a, a broader mouth to swallow up men who have refused the wisdom of God. They have not found the way while he gave them years to do so, but they will inherit this ultimate horror called hell, the absence of the of the presence of God or anything that is good. And I could go on, but I'm not going to. Uh, I think we all understand that. All the days of the afflicted, verse 15. Uh, okay, so verse 14, that is kind of self-explanatory. All the days of the afflicted are evil, but he that is of a merry heart hath continual feast. And I'm going to go on. Better is a little with the fear of the Lord than good treasure and the trouble. Let's see. Um, but the mouth of, okay. And then better is a dinner of herbs. Oh, these are beautiful. A merry heart doeth good like a medicine. You know, we say it all the time. But here it is again, uh, spoken. And it's going to come up. Uh, I, I try to connect these um, to, to pair them is what I'm saying. Uh, better is a little with the fear of the Lord than great treasure and trouble therewith. That's right. Just have a little bit. We talked about that earlier, but I am trying to get a merry heart and 15 and where is it? Mm, um, I'm trying to see where I, I marked it, but I don't see where I did it. Nonetheless, the, the a merry heart, right? It, it does good like medicine. Now there's a book titled, um, what is that book called? Norman Cousins wrote the book, 
and uh, Norman Cousins had a very grave disease. The doctors didn't know what it was, but he was very sick and they didn't think he was going to live. But Norman Cousins took that scripture, a merry heart doeth good like a medicine. And this is what he did. He locked himself in a hotel room and he uh, put, um, he, he bought several funny movies on, on video and he read, you know, jokes and stuff. This is a true story. He wrote the book. I have the book somewhere. I don't know why I can't find it, uh, think of the title. But he, he, in so doing, he surrounded himself with pure joy. He just refused to worry about that sickness. And this was his own prescription for his life. And guess what? He was healed. He put God's word to the real test. Pastor John Thomas came in. I don't know if he stayed yet, but that's what Pastor Thomas tells us to do. Apply God's word to your life and, and see if it doesn't work. Do what he says, do, and see if it doesn't work. Believe what he says and walk in it and see if it doesn't work. God's word, so saith the psalmist, is a lamp unto my feet and a light to my path. I can see when I am in the knowledge of God's word. And that's what Norman uh, Cousins did. The name of the book almost came to me. And, and this is an old book. I bought the book. Um, I think he did this like in the 30s or 40s or 50s, somewhere in there, right? In early, early part of the uh, 20th century. And I bought the book in like 1980, 85 or something like that. So I kept hearing about it. And so I read it and I thought, oh my goodness, that's what I will do if ever I have to contend with something as dire as that. So this better is a dinner of herbs where love is than a stalled ox and hatred therewith. You know, that's the truth. Lord God, you know this. No one wants to be where there is strife. And yet some people seem to just live for the strife of it all. A dinner of herbs, he's saying. You know, it isn't, the herbs are kind of bitter. Some of, some of them are. And of course, you, you don't want to eat an herb by itself. You want the herb to season something else. Uh, but, but it's better to have that than, than to have an ox that you can't push and get him to do what you need him to do. Uh, he, you know, you're not, you're not being able to plow out or whatever oxen do. That's a better dinner than all that that goes into, you know, the, um, the effort, the effort, the trying, the trying, right? So uh, holiness, uh, we, just, we just want peace, truly. And if you get a right mind about things, you will, uh, we will, I don't like to point my finger, when when we receive understanding, as Pastor Thomas tells us, we, we will begin to understand that um, certain things, well, much in the world is very temporary. You may have it today and it'll be gone tomorrow, but surely you're going to pass on from this life and it's not going with you. It is not going to satisfy you in the next life. So what we should put our minds to is the grasp of those things which we really do want forever. And that those things are, are not the riches and you know the, the, the glitter of what seems to be golden. That's not what it is. God is so much more um, meek and all that. He says, come unto me and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly of heart, and you shall find rest unto your souls. We search for rest, really. Ultimately, that's all you want. You know, I live in a big old house, and it, it, I need a lot of work in this crazy little house, right? And I tell my husband all the time, I just want, to, I want, I want a house I can clean up every day, and it's just clean all day. In fact, it'll be clean for the week. <laughs> that's the kind of house that I want to live in. I am past trying to keep a, a you know square footage. I, I I don't need square footage. 
And trust me, darlings, when I tell you I have square footage, anybody that knows, I tell everyone I live in the shack on the hill. I live in the, the castle on the hill. That's what I say, right? Because there's square footage here, but it, it isn't, you know, it's not a castle, not by any shape, the stretch of the imagination. We have work to do. We have, you know, and then you have to clean it up. I'm saying, oh, enough already. This is, this be me. I don't need this anymore. When my kiddos were small, we, you kind of lived in, you know, a big house and it was fun because they were throughout the house and they live in, I don't even live in all this house, right? So I, I'm ready to be uh, free of the burden of those things that are passing away. Okay, the way of the slothful man is as a hedge of thorns, but the way of the righteous is made plain. Okay, now the contrast there speaks to me that the slothful man is, is trying to get somewhere, but there are nothing but thorns and that are just poking and hurting him. But the path of those who are righteous, those who look straight, you know, you don't have all that stuff because you're going, you're, you're not being pricked, you know, and, and disappointed and shut out and all of that. Uh, folly is joy to him that is destitute of wisdom. But a man's understanding walks upright and listen to, yeah. I went to school with a lot of folly field young men and I used to wonder how in the world, where do you think you're going, you know? And they kind of want to be your friend or, you know, talk to you or whatever that was. And, and you're going to yourself being very nice. But in my heart, I was thinking, Lord, mm, please help me, you know, deliver me from this. I, I, I don't want to be there. And you're trying to give counsel, but they got their own mind made up and they're doing what the, what they want to do, the way they want to do. Folly is their joy. You see, it, it's what they loved at that time. Now, I believe, you know, that we all kind of feel with a little folly when we're young like that, when you've got your own plans and dreams, right? And you're doing little silly stuff, like some people like to party during that time. And, and young people discover the drink, you know, at that time. And now there's the drug, all that, and the and the uh, uh, promiscuity, the sex, and the, you know, getting together and kind of talking. I, I went to school with people like that. I did. And, and it was not today, you know, so you know it's gotten much worse today. Nonetheless, that's folly. It really is folly. And folly will lead us to ruin. And it'll be a ruin that you cannot recover from if you're not careful. So uh, I'm going on to 22. Without uh, op counsel, purposes are disappointed. But in the multitude of counsels, we talked about that at length in uh, uh, chapter 11. A man has joy by the answer of his mouth and a word spoken in due season. How good is it? I like that. Think about it. Just think about it. Apples, uh, a word fitly spoken is like apples of gold. That's the title of this, this series that we're doing. A word fitly spoken, right talking. We have to really, really, well, it comes from the heart. So as we spend more time with the Lord, our hearts are changed and we are, uh, that it, it exudes uh, from us in the words that we choose to speak out and the way that we choose to speak. Uh, so a man has joy by the answer of his mouth. There we go again. And okay. Uh, the way of life is above to the wise, but he that departs from all hell is beneath that he may depart from hell beneath. So <clears throat> the reference here is um, the way of life is in Christ above to me bespeaks God's position. And it will cause us to depart from what is beneath us, the hell that is below. The Lord will destroy the house of the proud, but he will establish the border of the widow. Listen to, uh, we talked a lot about pride in, in chapter 12. And we didn't talk about the widow, though. Remember, a widow indeed, a widow for sure, is not a woman who no longer has her husband, but is running around, you know, uh, trying to live again. The widow is like Anna, who sat in the temple watching and was given the honor of blessing Jesus Christ at his birth. That is a true widow. And I tell my husband all the time, you don't have to worry, darling. You don't have to worry. If you should go before me, there'll never be another. I'm sorry. I've had it with it, uh, the whole thing. I've been more than, than satisfied. I'm done with it all. You see, I'm finished. God, only by the, you know, the, the, if the Lord can call you to many things, but 
A widow indeed is not chasing after anybody at all. The widow is sitting there listening to the Lord, uh, finishing the course that he's given her to run. And if he should uh, bring to her door, you know, or in her way, um, a man who will complete life with her, then, you know, it's, it's ordained of God. I'm not speaking against that at all, but I'm saying widows indeed are not are chasing. So the thoughts of the wicked are an abomination to the Lord, but the words of the pure are pleasant words. You see, it keeps, we're repeating, he that is greedy of gain troubleth his own house, but he that hates gifts shall live. How many marriages are destroyed because the one or the other of the, the relationship in the relationship are busy after gain or are doing things that are um, unlawful or, you know, a little, a little stretching at the law, so to speak, and, and not spending the kind of time in the home that should be there or focusing on the needs of the home in such a way as to provide that part as well. I think sometimes men get it real twisted. Sometimes women do too. They think that the um, the, the the joy of life is really the pride of life is to to amass stuff, and then to be able to say, "I sent my child to private school," or "I bought a Mercedes," or whatever it is you're doing. You know what I mean? And they went to this college or that college. No, I told my children I didn't convince them all together, but I said if you go to you know a small college. Um, you're going to learn because these colleges are under what they call it. You have to be, um, you, you, you know, you have to, pe- you have to, there is a standard for you to get the kind of, um, oh my gosh, yeah, there is a, I'm sorry, I can't say it now. Anyway, there is a standard. So go to a small college. Then if you want to go further, that's when you spend the money. When you, you know, you graduate, you got a job and you can pay for this other stuff that you get. Go to a better, um, uh, for the master's or doctor, whatever you want to pursue. But we don't have to, we don't have to brag because we paid, you know, thousands of dollars and went to a particular college, right? It's, it's a stress on the very soul uh, and definitely on your pocketbook. So the proud, the proud, we don't want to live there. Um, or be greedy of gain. The heart of righteousness it, it studies to answer, but the oh God make it so in me. Verse twenty-eight. The heart of the righteous studies to answer, but the mouth of the wicked pours out. Just pours out. You just open your mouth and you just talk. I must have been a wicked little girl because honestly, it felt like I had to answer everything that everybody ever said to me. And I would watch my husband. My husband could just sit there and listen to you forever. He does not have to talk. And he's so much smarter than I ever thought I could be, right? Uh, And when he speaks, I used to say, oh, honey, when E.F. Hutton speaks, (laughs) I listen because that's the kind of man he is. He's one who studies. He does not speak readily. Um, <clears throat> some of us, of course, you know, we just, we're different in our personalities. But to study a matter, to not answer so very rapidly is far wiser than to just pour out whatever comes. And I pray to God I wasn't pouring out a bunch of wickedness. But nonetheless, the Lord is far from the wicked, but he, he hears the prayers of the righteous. We know that. The light of the eyes rejoices the heart, and a good report makes the bones fat. Listen, isn't that beautiful? Just the light of the eyes rejoices the heart. The light, God, Jesus Christ, seeing, understanding, hearing, that's the light of the eyes. And a good report, that's you and me in good standing. When people talk about you, they may tell a lie, but the lie will be a lie, you see. The good report, the truth of who we are goes before us. And the Bible says even the, the your gifts make room for you, right? So um, he that refuses instruction despises his own soul. We've said it, we've said it. But he that hears reproof gets understanding. And as Pastor Thomas preaches in all thy getting, Whatever else you take to yourself, get understanding. Understanding, understanding is the application even of the wisdom that you receive. It is in the context where you need it. When I am over here, 
my understanding and the wisdom that takes me helps me to apply and respond in an appropriate and righteous way. And when I'm over there, the same thing. Wherever you find yourself, the counsel of God, when understood, is going to make your way not only prosperous, but righteous. Not only righteous, but prosperous. And finally, we end where we started. Fear of the Lord is, is the instruction of wisdom. And before honor is humility. Now, after you go through all of this and read it and really meditate and, and, and contemplate it, I mean, there ain't but one place for me to go, and that's in the, in the seat of humility. I am not at all a scholar. I don't ever tell her, you know, we use that word. What I'm saying is I'm, I'm not the smartest little, uh, little, uh, what is it? I'm not the, what is that expression? I'm not the brightest penny in the bunch or, you know, the, the, the smartest chick in the, in the classroom, whatever, not at all. But there is a way through and by the spirit of God to attain wisdom and understanding. He's more than willing to guide and lead us there because you see, it is his way. He wants us to function as his children. He wants that. And so he will always be willing to give to you. Let he who lacks wisdom ask of the Lord and he shall give him abundantly. Henry entered Nabot, Nabot, I think I welcomed everyone here. And I'm going back now to read. Oh, Tony, Tony is in. Good morning. Good morning, Tony. And light touch and rings. And uh, I think Pastor Thomas came. I hope he stayed. Um, it was, oh, uh, I don't know. Here, here, team. Okay, so now I'm reading, reading now the comments that have come. And um, let's see. We have... That's the heart of a leader. Okay, when we talk true service, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, I don't see how you can be a leader and not also, you know, scrub the floors. I just don't don't see it. Um, and here we say, what is it? I'm going, I'm going. Setting our hearts and minds on the Lord Jesus, we will have peace and provision. Amen. That is the sum total of several of these um Proverbs we read this morning. Amen. Great teaching and exposition, nourishment for the soul. Thank you, Reems. This is good together. I'm relating to that square footage big time. Since that extra space has served its purpose. Kids, not kids anymore. Don't need all that acreage. L O, you got it, girl. Listen, simplicity. I am I'm one to just go there. Good show. Learning wisdom and getting understanding is more than learning facts. Hallelujah. That's right. It's not about facts, though facts do enter in. The ability to know that our responses can escalate or de-escalate a situation, when to speak and when to be silent is paramount to respond unselfishly. Glory to God. Good words. Being able to receive correction is a good thing. Loving and seeking God's righteousness makes our pleasant, makes our way pleasant in such a way that the world cannot understand. It is not easy. It's pain-free. Life without struggles, but it's knowing that we know God will take care of us. Hallelujah. I made that very, very much an inclusive statement, even though uh, Light Touch used the word you. It is all of us. When we know Christ, when we spend time with him, he is so, oh, he so satisfies you. you know, sometimes we go to prayer and you go in, into prayer with such a heavy heart, but Lord have mercy when you come out, you are just lightened. The whole thing is just lifted off or just praising the Lord, just giving him his due. The heavens declare the glory of God. I tell you, it has delivered me from uh, this moody thing I would have on, on, on uh, rainy days. You know, for there are a series of days that the overcast, I would say, Father, I need some sunshine. I just have to have some sunshine. You know, I would tell the Lord that. And he would give me like 10 seconds of really strong sunshine. He's done that several times. But now I don't even have to say that. I said, your will be done. Your glory is being um, exercised here. I can see it. Um, 
This has been really good. And I praise and thank the Lord that he has uh, brought me to it. May the Lord our God bless and keep us. We have a day before us and we uh, will complete that day. Tony, you have to let us know what's going on. All righty. So God willing, I'll see you guys again this evening at 830. And by then, Tony, maybe you will. um, I, I can send you. A, an invitation to sit in the co-host seat and maybe you will give us an update of those things which God has, has done for you this day. May our God be praised forever. If you can come this evening, and I'm forcing you, you know, I'm just saying, let me know. Uh, you could also email me and I would know. Uh, may the Lord our God bless and keep us throughout the time of this day, wherever you are, for some people in the world, it's actually tomorrow, right? I think in Ethiopia, it's tomorrow or something like that, or China or somewhere down there. But for those of us um, who are in, in the morning, you got the day before you or the afternoon and the evening. And if you're in tomorrow, it may be your morning as well. I pray that you have a wonderful day. And I ask Father to impose in us really and truly, override our own thoughts, Father, and cause us to remember your wisdom, your words to us, and plant them, Lord, that they are well suited for, you know, first plow up our ground here, make us open and receptive, and then plant. It's good ground now. And it will take root and we will grow thereby. We will be nourished, Lord, and we will be more your children than we were before we heard and received. Oh, God, we thank you for every good and perfect gift. These are perfect gifts and they are good. They guide our lives and they give us the very life that we seek and beyond, not just, you know, in in the four score and 10 that you promised, but beyond because you have an eternity of rest that you prepared for us. And we're so grateful and we thank you right now. Hallelujah. And as I said, when you have, when you've dined at a, a great table, there's great joy in the heart and a merry heart does do good like a medicine. See you later on today. In the meanwhile, walk with the King. Let our God, by His Spirit, guide and lead you. Enjoy your day.